podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA, it's time for Reffin' It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all-new episode starts in... This, this is Reffin' It Up. Welcome back to Reffin' Up. I am RJ. I'm joined by the two greatest referees of all time, first and foremost, from the Great White North, Mr. Jimmy Corderas, and he's clanging and banging, guns out, because the sun's out, Mr. Brian Hemner. But first, Br- Jimmy, how you doing, man? Uh, doing well, considering there's a lot of uh, smoke up here in Canada, pretty much across Canada from, from uh, yeah. wilderness fires, but I hope everybody stays safe and well out there, and let's get some rain help these guys out the firefighters out well i think all the rain's down by you brian right no he's got all that canadian smoke coming my way i was looking at it all today hmm. leave it up to the canadians to destroy virginia control your fires <laughs> canadian heat brother <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell habner about canadian heat right <laughs> ah, too soon? ah too soon? i see what you did too there. soon too soon oh no oh no not at all <laughs> Next week, the Refin and Up podcast will be looking for a new producer. Please send your resumes in too. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, looking forward to this all day, guys. Really looking forward to having Tony Chimmel on finally. Um, this is, I think this is going to be that kind of episode when I kind of just sit back, relax, and let you guys take the uh, wheel and just go because I think it's going to be a really good episode. I don't know. That, that makes one of us looking forward to talking to Chimmel. <laughs> yeah, he just texts me some... I don't know what you want to call it, chimbalism. And well, uh did yeah. it have to do with Trader Joe's? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Trying to make heads or tails of a chimel twit uh, uh text is like and uh, never mind. You gotta bring in people from all over the country to try to decipher it, right? Mm, exactly. But uh something that we won't really have to decipher too much is our first count. This is your one count. It seems to me, guys, that every week, one Tony Khan seems to have an announcement every week. Last week, it was announcing the uh, of the official announcement, excuse me, of CM Punk being back for the debut of Collision on June the 17th in Chicago. Uh, and then as we're recording, we're recording Tuesday night's peak behind the curtain. But tonight he's has another announcement on Dynamite. Jimmy, it's, it seems like he has one every week, right? It feels that way. And it's like everything else. When you want something to feel special, you don't do it all the time. Once you do it every week, then it doesn't feel special anymore. Because, oh, here comes another announcement. Oh, here comes. It's like using a similar finish in match in several matches, let's say in the same night. If everybody's doing the same thing, then why is it, is anybody really different? And if you're making special announcements, big announcements, whatever the case may be, and some of them don't deliver like others may, others may be like, oh, wow, what an announcement. And others are like, yeah, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they all feel that way eventually. To, to, to me, it's just like this, though. I mean, 
every big announcement that he makes could be big, but everybody already knows what it's going to be before it comes out of his mouth. Everybody knew CM Punk was coming back, and the next announcement's going to be uh, well, was where it was at too, right? Is that that's been, that's been announced? That was his big no, no, that was announced to begin with. It was going to be in Chicago, so everybody kind of put their Booker hats on, so to speak, and said, Oh, well, CM Punk's got to be coming back because it's in Chicago, right? Well, there's so many of them, I can't, I don't fucking know. Yeah, well, the worst kept secret in all of wrestling is CM Punk was coming back because it was all over everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I I just I just miss the days of the element of surprise in professional wrestling. There's not too many companies out there right now that have that. You know, WWE Mm -hmm. tends to make announcements or they have assumptions or whatever. And a obviously AEW is the worst at it, but it's just like, come on, guys. Maybe it's just you know an older fan of professional wrestling wants uh, something that it used to be. But I digress. It's who knows. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the uh, some of the current fans, so to speak, the hardcore fans who want who want those spoilers, who want that information. But if it, but they're the ones who also say that stop, wrestling needs to be treated as a sport. And me, as a sports fan, I like watching the sport as it happens. I like watching it live. And if I don't get to watch it live, and I do happen to DVR it, yes, I do know what a DVR is, <laughs> and and I want to watch it later. I don't go online to find out what the score was before I watch the game because I still want to watch it as if, yeah, obviously not the same thing as watching it live, but as if it were live without knowing the end result. It's like going to the theater and and, and somebody spoils the ending of a movie for you. I don't want to know ahead of time. I agree. I, I totally agree because none of the announcements are making me be in awe. That's for sure. It's like, okay, really? That's all you had to say tonight. So is he supposed to be making another one this week? Yeah, he's supposed to be making one uh, again tonight on Dynamite. Um, I, I think it's pretty much it's either the main event for I, I really didn't pay any attention to it because I kind of want to be surprised myself, to be honest. Uh, I, I heard it was going to be the main event. I don't know if it was collision or if it was for um, for all in for um, uh England. So mm-hmm. at this point, like all I said, I just want to be. Get the element of surprise back in professional wrestling may take a lot of bit, a little bit of uh, help from a lot of people, but you can always never say never, I guess. Yeah. Is, well, is let's see good? again. Uh, you know, good? I'm, I'm going to try and be, I'm going to try and be positive. It's hard to do in this case, but uh, mm-hmm. let's see what the announcement is. I'm not going to bury it just yet until we hear exactly what it is. And who knows? He may surprise us with something that makes us pop and go, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Could it be the elusive brand split? Here's the thing about the brand split. And I've said this uh, elsewhere before. I don't want them to do the brand split just to say, hey, look, we're going to do it right where there's an actual brand split and everybody's going to be specific to their brand and there's going to be no crossover and stuff like that. We're doing it right. The other guys don't know. Just do your thing. And, And you're having another show feature some talent that needs some TV time. And and with more TV means more storytelling. Tell some stories. Yes, your in-ring product, people can can love all they want. But what draws more of an audience is a story that they can get invested in. Case in point, the bloodline. Best story going in wrestling right now. Yep, I agree. And when you don't have time and extra minutes to put your boys that are in the back waiting to get showtime or airtime, let's put on a referee and a wife. Hmm. So why don't we take a breather real quick 
and we'll touch on that in our Refn review. This is Refn Review. So the aforementioned wife of a Hall of Famer and one, oh, screw it. We'll just say it. I'll say it. The rumor in window has he'll be Aubie Edwards and Mark Briscoe taking on Jeff and Karen Jarrett. Uh, where, when, who knows? It's just rumored at this point, but we saw a lot of push pushback, literally, on Rampage last Friday. Jimmy, I don't know. I know where Brian stands on this. I want to get your thoughts on it first. Um, obviously, we've seen it before, but not with the wives of mm-hmm. a current talent. Um, but I'll just get your thoughts on it real quick. And let me preface, preempt, what do you say? Preface this by saying <laughs> yeah. that as someone who was involved in an angle involving a referee, the strike angle back in the day, and really quickly to tell you how that happened, I had just gotten married and I went on my honeymoon for a couple of weeks because, you know, I wanted to stay married. By the way. And, and the <laughs> office was good enough to give me that time off. And I came back from my honeymoon and that angle had already started on TV and the referees were striking outside and all that sort of stuff. So I run into Hunter in the locker room and Hunter says to me, hey, Corduroy, welcome back. How was the honeymoon? Did you have a great time? By the way, how does it feel to be out of work? Ha, ha, ha. And I said, the strike? And I said, Hunter, I can't go on strike right now. I just got married. I can't afford to. And he went, ah, come with me. <laughs> and that's where the, the birth of the, the uh, scab referee crossing the picket line came from other than, you know, the uh, the other guys, you know what I mean? As, as one of the irregular referees. But that wasn't an angle to elevate me or, or feature me. It was an angle to, to, to the leading to the six pack challenge. It gave him a, uh, a way to get out of it where I got, you know, pulled out of the match by the other referees and got beat up. And by the way, Kyoto, I still owe you a few receipts from that. Um, (laughs) There's a reason for it. And people will say, well, what about when Earl fought Nick Patrick? But that was during the invasion angle, the WCW Mm -hmm. versus WWE. There was, there was something else that precipitated it other than, Hey, we have to involve a referee here. You know what I mean? Charles Robinson and Ric Flair. There was an end to a mean. There was a means to an end. Not that they were trying to draw money, but it was to further a different story along the way. And not, not. It, it almost feels like this is getting her her fifteen minutes of fame, and that's it. And sorry for rambling on like that, but it's just. Uh, I don't. I want reasons, and this you can't give me a good reason why this is happening. Unfortunately, unfortunately. This is going to happen because why else would it not? The way they did it. And I hate to sound redundant, but you have women and men in the back that want showtime, airtime. They want to get on national TV. You complain about it loudly that there's not enough time to get these people featured and get them on TV. But yet you're going to take your valuable time and you're going to put, and God bless her, I love her to death. I love Karen Jarrett. But you're going to take her and Aubrey, the referee, and put an angle on it. Why? For who? And for what? It doesn't do shit, Ola, for your show, 
for your ratings, for anything. There's no winner here. No winner here. And then how are you going to make her be a legit referee again? So I guess they're going to probably put her over the moon. She's going to have all these spots that she'll work with and she'll fucking do all these things to Karen. The crowd will pop and whoever's there will pop. And all of a sudden, she's just going to be this baby face referee. Makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I just can't understand the point of me. Like for the life of me, I can't understand the point of even doing this. It does nothing for anybody. If y'all can change my mind and tell me or persuade me that this does something for somebody, I'll gladly listen. But for right now, I ain't listening to fucking shit because I think that I just think it's garbage, garbage. And and to that fellow out there who tweeted me and and probably thinking that if they're watching or listening to this, thinking, oh, those guys are just bitter. We're not bitter. Mm. We're just giving our opinion on whether we like it or not. And it doesn't it does absolutely nothing for me. And I wish it did. I honestly do. I honestly wish it did. But it, it, it's it, it again. There's no reason for this to happen. It, and what about what are we bitter about? There's nothing to be I bitter. Don't about. I, don't know. I mean, that's just a, I'm sorry, but that's just a, a silly comment. There's nothing to be bitter about. I wouldn't want to be in an angle and be crashed over my head with a fucking guitar. I think it's stupid. That's what I think. I think it does nothing for your company, does nothing for your audience, does nothing for your ratings, does nothing for your tickets. It does nothing for nothing. Nothing for me, nothing for Jimmy, nothing for RJ. It does nothing. That's not bitter. That's just telling you the truth, the facts. That's what they are. And if you care about this, if you care about this, whoever it was that said this to you, Jimmy, good for you. You're one of the very few that do. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. Yeah. If you like it, fine. Cool. Not my thing. So I thought of a way. I put my booker hat on. I thought of a way that this could possibly work. Oh my God. Oh no. I, I know. I, I I hurt my head. I only, it took me like three days to figure this out. It really hurt my head. I lost lost the rest of my hair. Um, anyways. So one side you got Brisk uh Briscoe and Aubrey, and then Karen Jeff on the other side. What if this is an angle where you would have Aubrey be a heel referee? to start a feud with Jeff Jarrett and Briscoe where Aubrey would basically, Oh, I'm, I'm backing up. Have at it. Okay. RJ, nothing against you when I say this at all, but who fucking cares? I I never said I would care to see it, but I'm just saying, I I'm thinking of a way that it could possibly work that people may want to see it. It's a way to get Briscoe and Jeff in a program. Uh, I don't want to see her as a heel ref or a babyface ref. I want to see her as a referee and doing her job properly. I don't care. And no one else does. Apparently someone in that company feels like Aubrey Edwards is a fucking star or something. I would like you to put her on the marquee and see how many tickets you get. Hopefully more than what CM Punk got, which was 700. I mean, come on. Wow. Ridiculous. I, there's no way to spin it. A good try, though, RJ. And I do appreciate you putting the thought process in. But personally, I heard, I, yeah, yeah, but nobody cares. Jimmy, I know, I know. please weigh on this because I, I want to stop cussing. I, no, there's <laughs> nothing more I could say on this. I just like I, like you said, it, it doesn't make sense. There's no reason for it yeah. to happen other than to satisfy one person, and that's the person involved in the angle. And it, mm-hmm. and of course, the diehard fans, the ones who are tri- tribalistic and, and just appreciate everything they do regardless of whether uh, others like it or not and just buy into everything will say no it's fine it's great it's great and if that's the way you feel 
fine if you truly feel that way. I'm just saying that overall, it does nothing to enhance their product. It doesn't add any more eyes to the situation. And that's the end game. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll say, and we can move on. Because I would really want to get to Ch Tony Chimble because I want to be in a good mood. God, I, I bought a, <laughs> I, I bought extra uh, beer tonight and got me a brand new full pack of cigarettes because I know he's going to drive me insane. <laughs> but the thing is, that's really hard for me to register. Really hard for me to register. So she took a guitar shot. Is that any different than taking a spear? Is that any different than taking a choke slam? Is it any different than taking a super kick? Is so so she that badass to take that and just says she's gonna go uh get her her comments. I mean, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a ref bump that just happened to use a wooden freaking guitar. I mean, so what? You're yeah. hurt for a couple of weeks and be a regular referee. Whatever, you got your fame right there if that's what you want. Oh, so you mean after WrestleMania 24, I should have gone after Taker for the big boot. Absolutely, Jimmy. You should have killed him. You went after him. Okay. okay. Let's book that now. <laughs> WrestleMania 40, Philadelphia, PA, Jimmy Corderas versus The Undertaker. Oh, wow. I, hey, I'd buy it. <clears throat> what the heck? Okay. Get, 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 you, get you another big payday, Jimmy. Come on. Don't get me started. Don't get me started here. And, and, and Brian doesn't want to go crazy. He, you know, he bought the extra cigarettes. I don't want to get started smoking again because Tony Chimmel's coming back on. So. <laughs> that could possibly happen jimmy yeah. but no seriously uh and, and we'll, we'll we'll head on to get tony chimble on here in a minute but yeah i i don't understand it i really don't and i'm just trying to figure it out it's, it's nothing more than a ref bump that's all it is yeah. it's a ref bump. yeah and 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 it's not personal so all those people think you know hey it's because you guys didn't this and you you dude i love what i did i'm fine doing what i do now sitting here talking about it I am fine and giving my opinion from, uh, uh, you know, from all those years. And that's what it is. It is my point of view in the business and Brian's point of view and RJ's point of view. It is our opinion. It has nothing to do with the personal issues. So stop this tribalistic us versus them mentality. It is the wrestling business and we are a whole. Jimmy, great point too. They're, 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 they could have at least set something up like prior backstage because Karen's that, that evil woman, you know, that'll do anything. She could have walked by Aubrey, knew she had the assignment, said, you better do what you're supposed to do or something to that effect. You know what I mean? To set something mm -hmm. up because it it doesn't matter now. Like, it's just just so silly. It's so silly. And Jimmy, you're right. There's, there's, there's no fire there. There's no history there. There's no nothing there. It's just, she got whacked with a guitar. And I guess Aubrey's this big badass at AEW that she, you know, as a referee, and she wants to get her, she wants to know why. So whatever happens if she takes a, a, a spin kick because she's in the way, is she going to fight whoever that is, Jericho or somebody? I mean, come mm -hmm. on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I can go on and on. Is she going to bump like a wrestler? Is she going to sell? Is she going to do things, make comeback? You know, yeah. Anyway. That, that, well, let's see it first, Jimmy. Then we'll go to there. Yeah, okay. I'm, not, I'm sure we'll have enough. We'll have enough time in the show for that. I'm sure when that happens, guys. But let's okay. set up to our second count and welcome in Tony Chimmel. This is your two count. And we are back with the man, the myth, the legend, the man that literally is on every episode of Reffin' and Up since the beginning. Well, in name anyways, Mr. Tony Chimmel. Tony, welcome to the show. Uh, hello. Good to be here. <laughs> Jimmel, 
What? What's up? How are you, buddy? Not much. First of all, another RJ, day, another RJ, that is way too many pleasantries you just put out there for this guy. Okay. I, I, I know. I already want to like click out of this conversation. Chimmy Cham, what's up? <laughs> Not much. Great to see all of you guys. Uh, Good to see you, Chimmo. Yeah, well, come on. We can't we can't miss seeing you uh, and all those. That's chins. correct. Should I start early and all those chins? Anyways, you know, if you if you can't see me here, you can always see me on Cameo. You know, order a Cameo. Yeah, plug your stuff, kid. Or, or as I call them, the Chimios. <laughs> oh my goodness! I used to eat those for breakfast. My goodness. Yeah. Well, now, now you can have your Cheerios and watch Chimmel. So there you go. You there, can, you go. there you go. Two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. So Chimmel, I bought but, extra beer tonight for this episode, and I bought a whole pack of cigarettes because I know you're going to drive me to drink all of them and smoke all of them. So I'm good. Yeah. You're still smoking cigarettes? What do you want yeah. to do? Are you still dipping? No, I, I haven't done tobacco in like over 10 years. You have no wow. idea what you're missing. Yeah, I do know what I'm missing, but <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't done tobacco in over 10 years. It's, uh, you know, it was brutal there for a while, but. Uh, Especially in those uh, those car trips. My goodness, all that. Yeah, spinning. I know. But me smoking on one end of the, uh, on the, on the driver's side, Chimmel spitting in his cup on the passenger seat. And when the windows were open, whoever's sitting in the back getting the spray and the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, when we first traveled on planes, we were allowed to smoke on the planes. I know, sit in the smoking section. My goodness. Yeah. The, the worst. The worst part was, you know, as smokers, Vince was so anti-smoking; it was incredible. Oh, I know. Trying to I hide know. from Vince at TV to sneak a cigarette and all that sort of stuff. And of all people, Pat Patterson is right-hand man. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I remember Pat too. Was begging to get out of those meetings just to go have a cigarette. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember too, man. It was so funny. And Jimmy, you'll remember this. Jimmy, you'll remember this too. When they exonated, no smoking in the buildings, no smoking in the round, you know, all that kind of stuff. Pat and Jack Lanza would just light it up like they didn't oh. give it. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we'd, be, I know. And, and we'd be looking there going, oh, I wish I was Pat or Jack right now. <laughs> yeah. Because yes. you can so, get away with murder. So I am not on video other than to see you guys. That's it. That's it. Oh, okay. Well, you well, you always said I had a great face for radio. Because <laughs> all the other podcasts that I've done, it was video too, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I've no, only done a few, but, you know. Well, I can see why. Um, yeah. yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> RJ, well, that's it. Thanks for coming, Jim. Yeah, that's it. I I don't know if I can do better than that, guys. Like I said, it's like I'm about to ask like two 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 questions. Sit back, relax, and let you guys have at it because this I'm I'm just happy I'm here. Um, but one thing I was listening to an interview you did recently too, Tony, is um a great story that you brought up with the uh, you guys uh, tagged it as the greatest bet ever with Jonathan Coachman. Oh yeah, the great race. The great race. Can you elaborate on that for uh, anybody yeah, that hasn't heard that? Uh, that is when I turned the company upside down the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, so it's, um, 
this is when we used to hang out on, I forget, whatever days, Mondays or Tuesdays, you know, during the show. And I'd be back there with Cole and fucking Coach. And, uh, you know, I told Coach, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start losing some weight. I've been running on the treadmill, you know, this and that. And he's like, well, how fast are you going? And I'm like, well, I do a mile and like, you know, 10, 11 minutes, something like that. And he's like, fucking suck, you know, and he's getting on my case and... He's like, you know, oh, I could beat you, you know, I, I could beat you in a race fucking, you know, by like 30 seconds or something, you know? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know? But then it just started to snowball through the company and all that. And we were thinking, you know, in about three months or so, we're going to be in State College doing a TV there where they had the track right outside the loading dock there, you know? And so me and Coach made the bet. You know, and the bet was if if coach beat me by 30 seconds, okay, I had to do a push-up, 100 push-ups every time he told me to, or I had to do a push-up. He got 100 push-ups total. So I had to do a push-up and say I'm a fat piece of shit. You know? <laughs> However, if I beat coach or lost by less than 30 seconds – Every time Coach had to do a push-up, he would have to say, I am Tony Chimmel's bitch. <laughs> uh -huh. So this thing just took the company over, and it was like everyone was just talking about it, you know? <clears throat> and uh, uh, they were just talking about it and putting it over. They had a press conference. And, you know, at this press conference, Coach is saying, like, 30 seconds, I'll beat him by a minute. And The Rock came on, and he was like, you know, what do you mean you're being by a minute? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is, you know? And so he kind of goaded Coach into uh, having to beat me by a minute. So now I had a minute, you know, he had to beat me by. So meantime, you know, I'm like working out and running and practicing and doing all this stuff. And Coach is like, I don't think he was taking it that seriously or whatever. But anyway, day of race, we come and we start running. And I ended up, I he ended up beating me by eight seconds. He ran like six minutes and and thirty five seconds. I ran six minutes and thirty six seconds. So <laughs> that's the short of the the first time I turned the company upside down. But this is I, I remember that. Oh my goodness, when you bring it up, I'm thinking to myself, Oh my goodness, he's he's actually may even have a chance to beat him, let alone you know. And you know what? If I started because we're going around like I was like, listen. I got to run like a seven minute mile. So mm -hmm. if he's got to run to beat me, he's got to run a six minute mile, mm -hmm. which is a pretty good speed, you know? And I'm yeah. like, I got to run like each lap. I got to do like a minute 45. And Bruce Pritchard was at the, at the finish line. And every time we'd come around, he would time me, you know? So mm -hmm. I also had the option where I could either start at the same time as coach, or I got a minute head start, you know? I decided, I said I wanted to start the same time as coach. Mm -hmm. So I could just keep him in my, you know, in my mirror and see how far ahead he's at. Mm -hmm. So the first time around, we're going around, and I'm like, you know, maybe 30 feet behind him or something. And uh, Bruce is like, one four, 125 was the first lap or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm like ahead of my pace, you know? So we go around again, and I'm like, well, coach, he's got to start opening it up soon, you know? So now we're going around the third time, and I'm like, when the hell is he going to open it up? You know, he's still only like 30 feet ahead of me. 
So now we're coming like the fourth lap around. And I'm like, I start like starting to push it down the stretch. And I almost caught him. You know, I wish I would have started a little bit earlier, you know, running fast. But if the race was another 10 foot long, I, longer, I would have beaten him. Which, you know, he's like, you didn't win the race, Jimmo. You just won the time thing. But, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a blast that day because all of TV came to a standstill for this race. Yeah, but I want to know, and I want to know one thing though: where was the most embarrassing place for Coach that you made him do a push-up? Okay, so there's numerous ones of those. Uh, the next day, we were in uh, Pittsburgh, and or dare I say, Schittsburg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we were in Schittsburg, and. Uh, so uh, that's when I was going to the production meetings and I'm sitting there at the meeting and, you know, I'm there, coaches there, all the, t you know, whatever TV people are there. And Vince says, Chimmel, I hear you won the big race yesterday. And I said, yeah, I did. He's like, you think you can have coach do a push up on the table here right in front of me? I'm like, absolutely. He said, Coach, get your ass up there and give me a push up. <laughs> right in front of Vince. And he's like, I am Tony Chimmel's bitch. <laughs> so the first one he did was at the uh, at the finish line of the race. But that was one of the very first ones. Uh, another good one was uh, I came off the road at TV and uh, – I just walked in my front door and my phone rings and I'm like, hello. It's like, Tony, this is Sue Atchison from the office. She's like, I'm down here at the uh, Pentagon with uh, Hunter and some of the talent. Uh, Hunter wants to know if I can call you back. And at that time, you may coach do a push up in front of all the troops at the Pentagon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. So I'm like, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'll call you back in like a half hour. So, so she calls me back. I get on the phone and I must have been on speaker or something. So I'm like, coach, I know you're there busy, you know, supporting the troops and this and that, but give me a push up, you know. <laughs> so I just hear in the that, background, I am Tony Chill's bitch. <laughs> At the Pentagon, I appreciate it. <laughs> that is tremendous. Well, and you just said something too. Uh, not to change subjects as quickly because that is a fun subject. Anything involving embarrassing coach is fun. But you talked about troops. And one of the most incredible trips we took was that tribute to the troops show we did in Iraq. Tell me how that felt to you because, you know, coming from a Canadian, uh, it was incredible. But for you too, as well, going over there and doing that in front of the troops and you and I kind of having a, a Cuban cigar and a Corona. In front yeah, of nice. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. Jimmel, Jimmel, before you start that, I want to. I have to tell this one story. When we were over there, and you'll remember this, you have to. Yeah, the card games. No, 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 no. So, me and you went out and went to the blown up airport to go get alcohol. Right, because the troops weren't allowed to buy it, only civilians. So I remember this. Yeah, and then we went back to their place and uh, got the schnockered or whatever. And, uh, you know, they fed us meat. They said, what kind of meat is this? They're like, oh, it's Haji meat, you know? I'm like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> no, but the point of this 
to me bring yeah. this up. first of all the haji meat yeah fuck that i didn't eat any of that shit <laughs> you were like grazing like it was filet mignon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in these vehicles we have to have two vehicles so chimmel had to ride with one and i had to ride with the other yeah in these vehicles they give us helmets Flak jackets or whatever you call them, flask jackets. I don't know what to call, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we were flying, flying yeah. at high rates of speed, and I'm scared to fucking death. And I'm at, I'm looking at this guy, and he hands me a fucking gun. Yeah, and the I'm, M7 or whatever those things are called. I had one right by my feet. I'm like, are you kidding me? I got to yeah. hold on to this thing while we're driving. Yeah, me too. And I was just like scared to death. And I'm like, uh, sir, can you please tell me why we're going this fast? Can we kind of slow down? Because my buddy is freaking out back there. I know he is. And I know him. He was like, well, would you rather be a good target for somebody to get blown up? Or would you be, rather be a harder target? I was like, I would rather be a harder target. He says, that's why we're going 90 miles an hour to yeah. 100. And he's, he, the guy told me too, he's like the landmines or whatever. If you run over a landmine, you know, and you're doing, you know, 30 miles an hour, you're going to be that much closer to it than when you're doing 100 miles an hour. You know, but yeah, just on the stupidity over there. So me and Chimel went and got all this alcohol, and we were we were invited back to their house the next day. Yeah, uh, or where they stayed or whatever, and they were going to have a cookout. Uh, 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 not not in my vision. This was not a cookout, but anyway, we had a great time, and like I said, crazy memories. We bought Vince some uh, uh, wine. We bought. Ron, some of his bourbon. We bought Stone Cold, all his beer. Uh, we went, we we went all in. We went all in. It was crazy. And the guy was like, and he told, I'm sure he told you too, Chemel. Here's the gun. If you see anything that's that's threatening to us, just shoot it. I'm like, dude, I've never shot a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, uh, also Chemel. Since we were talking about over there, do you remember during the match that I was refereeing with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero? Uh, the planes flying overhead going to the commercial break. No. The, really. the, the fighter planes. No, because nobody gave us the Iggy on this. They didn't tell us about it. So I was going to ask you, did they let you in on it? Because we didn't know what was happening. So we're wondering, okay, what's going on here? What's with the planes flying right over the, the ring? You know what I mean? Are we yeah. under attack or something? And, well, and yeah, they, they were always like, you know, this is an active war zone and shit like that. You know, that, that was yeah. the best one was the first <laughs> one. All this other Gaga that they do at some, you know, base in Georgia or whatever. I mean, you know, it's cool, but at the same time, it's not yeah, the same. But it ain't like being being there, you know. Or having or having Big Show come in and take over the only king size bed in the room <laughs> since we're all sleeping on cots. And I think it was Jason Robinson that took that yeah. bed. And Big yeah. Show comes in and says, "What the hell is this bed doing in here? Get off of there! I'm sleeping." <laughs> yeah, because because <laughs> in the boys, it on my yeah. cot. <laughs> In the boys' room, Taker had the king-size bed because Taker was right, a yeah. locker room leader, so nobody was going to say anything. You know, right. Taker, this is your bed. Then Show walks into our room. Hey, guys, how's it going? Oh, no, this ain't happening. You, yeah. You know, that was a blast. Loved it. Yeah. So, you know. Yes, Abner? So, so we had um, Ken Kennedy on last week, uh, Ken Anderson, Tony, and he you made an appearance there too last week, but I just think with his debut and your involvement with that uh, was, was some, was something that'll go down in history as a great moment. Uh, was that something that uh, was pitched to you? Was that something that you uh, worked with or not? 
You know, I, I just did what I was told pretty much most of the time there, you know? So, I mean, you know, whatever they wanted to do and involve me with, I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know, and, uh, did what we had to do. And, uh, you know, if I could get a little shit in all the better, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about is getting your shit in. Right. <laughs> of course. You know, that's something you always used to beat the shit out of me about. Oh, look at him. Yeah, your shit. shit. I wanted to get my shit in. <laughs> there you go. It stays in the shit. car. But but speaking of getting uh, beating the crap out of somebody, do you remember those? Uh, I think it was in Ireland where we were two nights in Dublin and we were up all night the one night cutting the cards and the loser got chopped. Oh, yeah. And in the spoon game? Yeah, the spoon, when Fit used to do the spoon game. Yeah. But, uh, I remember the one time, Corderas, where I think you drew the, the short straw or the low card or whatever, and you had to get chopped by the next person that comes out of the elevator. And it was Big and Show. It was 5 o'clock in the morning at this yeah. time, and Big Show was coming out because he had an appearance to do. Yeah, yeah. So you know he's not that happy being up at 5 o'clock in the morning to begin with, you know? Mm -hmm. Then oh, Corderas yeah. had to be like, come on, you got to slap me. That, Whatever, yeah. I remember you saying your nipple was on your back after that. Oh, <laughs> if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the furniture in the lobby, I would have been outside. <laughs> Can you say nipple on a podcast? Is that is that allowed? I I think so. I think, but I don't know if you're allowed to say it on the back. Yeah. Well, you've oh. already, Jim. Well, you've already dropped about eight f bombs. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't know. Well, that's that's amateur for you, Brian. <laughs> hey, hey, it is what it is, Jimmel. Yes. <laughs> so you, we're, we're, we're trying our best to cover your career, but this is becoming very difficult. So mm -hmm. uh, in a good way, but yeah. you, were, you were also involved. God, how many involved angles do you have? Um, I'm really wondering this. Did you mean to fuck up your entrance for the rated R superstar to try and get your shit in? Or is this accidental? No. That was a thing that, and Corderas, I always give you credit for this because you're the one. Remember when we would be driving down the road and somebody would do something stupid mm -hmm. and you would say, like, Wiley Coyote, super genius. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So then, super crazy when he was with us, I would introduce him and I would say, at the house shows, I would say, super crazy, you know? That's right. And when Edge became the rated R superstar, I kind of incorporated it with that. And then once I heard that, you know, people were liking this and, you know, I kind of embellished it a little bit more and more and, you know, yeah, stretched it out a little bit and, uh, you know, got my shit in. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then, and then it, it morphed into John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that too. Well, you know, then you then you just start trying to figure out, you know, things with everybody, you know. And right. I always tell young announcers, don't, you know, announce the talent. Don't be your, don't be the star. Don't take away from the talent, you know. Uh, which I guess fun. is I might have a little bit, you know. But I mean, after that, I've been doing it for twenty years. By that point, you know, so. Yeah, but at that point, too, I, I get the whole point of not taking away from the talent, but the talent was liking it, too. Yeah. They, yeah, they, were, you know. yeah they, would, they would go to you and say, hey, you got one for me, Jimmel? 
Well, I know Cena used to try and see, see if he can hold the, the John from the time I get to the ramp all the way to the time I slide into the ring, you know? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, okay, well, like, don't take forever either, you know? Yeah. And he did. Yeah, at times. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So it, that it, it seems it seems like I kind of compare this. I see the similarities between yourself, Tony, and Justin Roberts in AEW with the John Moxley. Oh, he's where... no, he, no, no! Don't call it similarities. He stole Chimmel's shit right up. Well, Justin's okay. AEW, and I love it there. You know, uh, occasionally mm -hmm. I'll work there, and uh, you know, I, I still see Justin, and uh, we get along. Everything's okay, but. Uh, you know, if he wants to copy me, that's fine. I don't, you know. <laughs> but as long as, as long as he realizes who the original was, right? Well, yeah, which you know may or may not be true, but you know. So, so, so you just mentioned that you do a little work with uh, AEW now. What do you actually yeah. do? Well, um, they started running some live events, so I was at one of those uh, just the other day on uh, Saturday. Uh, but I'll help out. I'll do like numerous things. Raphael, Raphael Morphy is the one that got my foot in the door there. And he he does like, you know, 20 different things. And I kind of help him out. It, it's kind of like I do a little bit of Ruben. I little, do a little bit of Carano, a little bit of market rep stuff, a little bit of production stuff. I was helping this other girl, uh, Lexi, who uh, was ring announcing her first show the other day in Tupelo, Mississippi. She did a great job, but, you know, giving her pointers with announcing and stuff like that. So do a little bit of everything, you know, which is nice. And, you know, I'm not on the road 20 days a month, so that's a good thing as well, you know. And mm. it still keeps me active and doing a little bit of that and working here at home. It's uh, it's a nice little mix right now. Oh, so I see a pattern here. So from company to company, you get big lead. If it's not Justin Roberts, it's Lillian Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one or the other you know that's fine but hey i taught them both and they're both good so you know <laughs> yeah well i also taught um aubrey edwards uh yeah yeah i don't i don't know uh i see her at the shows occasionally you know she actually talks to you what's that she actually talks to you i say hello you know i mean i i you know <laughs> Why? I don't know. Is there some sort of heat that I don't know? Does she big league you? No. no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just just checking, that's all. Okay. It's a really, you know, it's 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 very nice. It's very uh it's it's a lot less stressful than things were at WWE and it's it's a very good product. Uh, can they make improvements here and there? Sure, just like every company can, you know. Uh, but I will say this: it's it's a much happier area and a much happier place to be, you know. Okay. Cool. The, so, the, sure. the players seem to be very happy, and you know, Tony's very nice. He's very approachable. He, you know, he. Uh, for as much as I love Vince and all that he did for me, and I'm very grateful for all the stuff he did. Let's face it, Vince is in a bubble now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if you can talk to the guy who's going to be able to talk to the guy that can talk to the guy that talked to Vince, you know? So, right. I mean, you know, it's just a di different atmosphere. And I love I love it there, you know, at AEW. And cool. 
and doing well, things. Good to hear. Grateful for the time at WWE as well. I mean, let's face it, 38 years is a pretty good run. So, Jim, do you remember this? Uh, this is pretty funny, too. Do you remember when uh, I would I left or got fired, whatever the fuck you want to call it, from uh, WWE <laughs> and went to uh, TNA, and me and you were texting and talking back and forth, and we, we got Kurt Angle? And I said to you, I said, shit's on, shit's on. <laughs> and you being the way you are, we're like, okay, you have the Olympic the Olympic hero. All right, great. Hey, he's really going to beat John Cena. He's really going to beat The Undertaker. He's really going to take all that. Uh, good luck with that, Hebner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of sounds like me, but I don't remember any of that guy. <laughs> Mm. Wow. wow. Well, one thing uh, going backwards a little bit. Do you remember, obviously, those car rides? We became riding partners for a long time. Yeah. Who were so? It was usually me driving because, for one no, thing, it was always you driving. Yeah. With the Siggy and the, and the, and the Pepsi, you know, huh? Yeah. You know. And the cheesy poofs. And the I cheesy poofs. The, 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 the back of the car changed a lot. Larry was a, was a, a lot of times a regular, a regular uh, yeah. but I remember one time it was him and Swaggle, yeah. Dylan, and we got a flat tire. <laughs> so now we have a whole trunk full of all of Larry's stuff, his trainer's equipment, our bags, stuff like that. So we emptied the truck to, trunk to get all the, the spare tire out so we could change and stuff like that. Larry and I are cranking up the car. We're lifting it up. We're taking the bolts off. We're taking the tire. We look over. We're trying to find out where Chimmel and Dylan are. And not only did they not help us unload the trunk, not only did they not help us change the tire, they're on the side of the road waiting for trucks to go by, telling, trying to get them to <laughs> the horn. And we're going, you guys got to be kidding me. Because I was like, why don't we just call AAA? And Larry and you were like, what do you, mean? you can't change the tire? I'm like, I don't want to change the tire. We're like 20 minutes from the airport, you know? I mean, uh, that was pretty funny, though. Uh, for you, those are good riding time. Yeah, no, well, we we had a blast. Uh, what do you think look, of that, Kyoto? <laughs> hey, what do you think of that, Kyoto? Uh. <laughs> so, Jim, well, there's a here's another one. Uh, this is the greatest line I've ever heard in my life. Um, I use it to this day, and I've actually used it. Me and you were by ourselves. We were in a rental car. It was late as shit. We were going through Wisconsin. Dark back ass roads, whatever. It's like two thirty in the morning, and we see a cop, and you're going a little bit faster than you're supposed to, and you're like, you know what? I don't have fucking time for this shit. And I'm like, what are you gonna do? And I, he, you went, I don't fucking know. I, so you pulled over. You were so angry, and the guy comes up to you, goes, "How you doing?" You went, "Good." Good. I'm going great. I'm trying to get to my hotel and go to sleep. Do you know what you were doing, sir? I probably was speeding just a little bit because I'm really tired. What do you got? The guy goes, wow, we have a smart one here, huh? And you go, sir, let me just tell you, you can take my information, go to your car. There's not a ticket that you can give me that I won't pay for. That's actually a Danny Davis line who he told, he told me. And he's like... The, the, the correct verbiage, Hebner, is there ain't a ticket you can't write that I can't pay. <laughs> <laughs> same, but, same yeah, same uh, uh, and you used it that night, and I about choked on my beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One, wow. yeah. Brother. 
Well, do you remember the ticket he gave you though? I don't know if your memory's that good. Speed. No. It was speeding. Uh, oh, okay. I, I'll tell you the the most expensive ticket I got was driving the ring truck in like outside of Hartford, Connecticut, and it was like two hundred and thirty bucks. This was probably back in the eighties or something. And for me back then was a lot of money. It still is now. Uh I think I was doing like, you know, seventy-five and a fifty-five or something, but he got we got snagged and two hundred and thirty bucks later. But hmm. knock on wood, never got into an accident in a ring truck. Yeah. Stays in the car as we used to say back in the day. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. Uh, really quickly here, I have to ask this because one of the things about this business is you stay in a hotel all the time. Do you remember a certain hotel in Saitama, Japan, when we went over there to do TV? The Owl Hotel. The um, the, the Owl Hotel? The Owl Hotel, yes. The one where... Uh, yes, I yeah. could never forget that place. Oh, my goodness. My room was so small. <laughs> How small was it? <laughs> I stuck my I stuck my key in the doorknob and broke the window. That's how small it was. <laughs> it was amazing because when we all got there, we were on the same floor and, and all the rooms were basically on the same side. I'm just going to say north side for lack of a better term. And we all wind up and we have our keys. We put them in. Everybody opens the door, took a step in. And it looked, it was like it was planned. We all yeah. took the step back out and looked out and we went, is this a joke? Oh, my God. It was incredible. What a dump that place was. They stole my towel. Yeah. <laughs> but thank goodness, thank goodness, uh, Chimmel was uh, clo still close with Shano. Let's yeah. put it that way, because you spoke yeah, to him. He actually hooked us up and got us out of that hotel. But yeah, that place, I remember because the bathroom was so small. How right? small was it? Well, I don't have one for this. But anyway, there was a little <laughs> from the sink to the shower and that's how you ran it you would have to turn the water on yes. and then flip some knob and then and the tv you had to put like money in it like if, yeah. like a quarter every half hour to have the tv run freaking was, ridiculous but you know. it was insane it was insane jimbo i remember i remember yeah. uh heaven forbid they get you know these people get uh hotel room without room service or something they're crying you know stay in some of the dumps we used to stay in oh my goodness <laughs> so jim i remember it's furled jim i remember finally becoming full-time and we're in my hometown of richmond and i'm helping with the ring crew and you give me your line i want you to tell me what it was um about richmond your favorite town right no it'd be my second favorite town which is your favorite? All the others would be tied for first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. my goodness. Uh, my best compliment, it's not the shits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to know, though, I, I still can't think. Of, was it Larry who nicknamed us Waldorf and Stadler? Yeah, I think so. Probably the, the Muppet guys, right? Yeah. Or if Dylan's listening, the Sesame Street guys that were... Uh, up one thing right oh my goodness i still i still remember one time we had chuck palumbo in the car and like like we said one of the rules of the car was whoever's driving gets to pick the radio station and right. the music that we listen to and i had this bad habit of singing along yes and you know the words to every single song out there you and, and adam that, Huff, the only two people i know that it know was, every, it, every song 
But here's the funny thing. When I'm hearing it, it's fine. But if you were to ask me the words to the song without it playing, that ain't happening. But that's what Chuck said to you. When you got to the hotel and Palumbo says to you, Jimbo, can I ask you a question? He says, does Jimmy know the words to every song on the radio? And you're yeah. like, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. But the way you said it was like, yeah. Listen to music jamming out, and then I'd be like, that's what they're saying, Corderas? Really? <laughs> I do that. Uh, I don't know. It just, but I can't remember. I go from here to the kitchen. I can't remember why I went to the kitchen for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what old age will do to you. <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jimmo, you, you've been in the business so long, you've actually had a match. Um a tuxedo match. Yeah. And it was the great late Howard Finkel. Yeah. How was that, man? Because it was not good, but. <laughs> yeah, now you know I'm not a wrestler. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's, I had very little to do with this. They came and told me this is what you're doing. You know, I love playing ha-ha on Howard, you know. And uh, I guess the, the gist of the thing was, was, you know, I was announcing on SmackDown and Howard wanted his job back or whatever. So he comes in the ring and starts pushing me around and stuff like that. And we end up rolling around and, you know, Howard was so nervous. He's like, Chimbo, you know, there's a spot there where I was going to drop an elbow on his nuts. He's like, don't really. Hit <laughs> you know, I'm like, relax, Howard. I'm not going to hurt you. I don't, I, I don't want to get him, you know. <laughs> But uh, oh, yeah, Howard was always good to good to me and stuff like that. But let me just make one thing clear: I am the goat, gentlemen, of ring announcers. Oh yeah, I well, am. We're, we're we're gonna talk about that in our third count. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm. Let's set this up to our third count. This is your three count. And we're back with our third count. Uh, Tony, we got a question here from Brad Stan. And he said, uh, which video game, hold on, let me pull it up. Which video game that you were in really nailed it as far as you being the character in it? Dude, I, what do you mean? Like me being the, in the video game? As far as I like announcing, yeah. I did the voiceovers for a few of them. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a big video game guy, so I, I couldn't tell you anything really about that. Uh, yeah. I know I enjoyed doing the voiceovers for it. It paid real well. But other than that, I you know, I don't know. Do you do you get so you get royalties for that going forward, or no? Is it just to kind of just that one time? No, I don't get royalties for that. I didn't, which kind of sucked. But I did get paid a nice hourly rate, which was nice. Right. That's good. Cool. And that you, would creep up. That creeped up like once a year, you know, and it and creep up once a year, like for four or five years in a row, I think I was doing it, which is really nice. And uh, a nice little extra chunk of money. Mm -hmm. So I, I enjoyed it. And they would do it when I was home. You know, they would uh, they would come pick me up. Like the guy would take me to some sound studio and I'd meet the guy from uh steve from uh, thq and whatever company did that stuff and uh he was a really good guy uh he was a former wrestler Corderas. what was it? navajo warrior oh oh my goodness yeah his name was steve something but he was yeah. a nice and he was always he always worked for the video game company and that's how i got uh you know oh my goodness. he got me in 
whatever. So it was nice to do that. But I never played the video games. My kids did all the time, but I never paid attention to any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you grew up basically on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, what 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 made you head down south like a like a typical old guy? Well, you know, when uh, we were looking for a place to vacation one time, uh, you know, we were like, where where do we want to go? Where do we want to take the kids? Where do we want to go? You know, and we we obviously wanted to go to Florida. But where, I don't know. So I talked to Briscoe one time and he was like, you know, have you ever uh have you ever heard of a place called Sanibel Island? And I'm like, no. He's like, Well, it's like you fly into Fort Myers and it's about maybe, you know, 20, 30 minutes from there. He's like, Does your wife like seashelling and stuff like that? And I'm like, Well, I don't know. She likes beaches, you know. And uh we uh we went there. And Dawn fell in love with the place and loved it. And we would go there every year. We'd go there as a family. She would, you know, I'd come home off the road. She would go down there, take her mom, take her sister, take a friend, go down there for a week or whatever. And she just loves it, you know. And we've been coming down here for like 30 years. And then once the kids got out of the house and older and stuff like that, and I was still with WWE, she was like, hey, why don't you want to move down there? I said, I'm not going to miss the snow. I'm all about it, you know? So, uh, you know, we moved here to Fort Myers. We found a, a nice condo. We sold our house up in Pennsylvania and and found a nice condo here that we love. And, you know, the sun's out every single day here. Every day the sun is out. And you I can't can tell, be... I, I can tell from that tan you have. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's, 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 it's actually... So, it's, so I got the t-shirt tan and all that, but you know. Okay. The, the sun's actually hit the sun's actually hit all your chins. Really? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> hey, so so Jim, seriously, uh, you know, before you started being a ring announcer, you and Joey Morella uh were the main ring technicians. Yes. So talk me through this before you became well, once again, what you are now, uh, doing B-shows and being filled in like you were for Howard Finkel, like you are now for Justin Roberts. But uh, touch on that for me for a minute. Say this again? <laughs> Can you explain to me Yeah, the the beginning of your career with, with, with you and Joey and how... You know, it announcing? Yes. Oh, Okay. Well, the first time I did it, I think it was like East Stroudsburg High School or something like that. And me and Joey, all we had to do then was just set the ring up. And uh, I guess this announcer or somebody didn't show up. And Joey comes to me and he's like, you know, they want you to ring announce. And I'm like, I've never ring announced before. You know, I don't know what to do. And Joey's like, well, all you got to do really is just uh, – is just sit by the, the table there by the ring and announce the guy as he comes out. And I'm like, dude, I'm like in shorts and a t-shirt, you know? I mean, he's like, well, Arnie said he'd pay you 50 bucks to do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I did it, you know? And you, then, you know, after a while, you're just sitting there, you know, during the shows and you're, you're seeing, you know, then they need you to timekeep or you got to play the music or you're taking jackets and you see what's going on and you, you know 
you, you, you see what they're doing and all that. And then after a while, you know, people don't show up and, you know, they're like, Hey, go get a suit and bring it with you on the road, you know? And that's how you get your foot in the door. And then, you know, you just do a good job and they keep you for 38 years, you know? Nice. Nice. Now you, um, once you became, you know, in there, you, 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 you kind of just were relegated to doing the, the B shows or the non-televised shows and filling them for Howard. When was it, or when do you remember saying to yourself, okay, I'm a main player. I'm a mainstay guy here. I'm not the fill-in guy. I'm not the B show guy. When was that actually, you know, when did that happen? If we were overseas doing some sort of show and I was announcing, I forget where it was, but we were announcing. And I think Bruce Pritchard heard me and he was like, damn, Jim, you're pretty good. You know, and he's telling me this and he was like, you know, I'm going to talk to people once we get back to the States and about TV and stuff like that. And I was like, OK, whatever, you know, and I think Bruce was a, a big one. That, the main guy that actually got it started, you know, uh, for me and announced it on TV shows and stuff. That might have been what the, the third time Bruce came back. What is he up to like 15 now or something? There about <laughs> He, I think actually, I think he beat Rick Flair's record to, for world titles. So obviously, with you traveling with the ring truck, and there was those famous stories. I know Kyoto has said a few of them. Working in Manhattan Center for Raw, getting that stuff up the elevator and all that yeah. stuff. Man, yeah. any, any stories from the uh, memory stories, nightmares, what I, have you, from those uh, times? Doing that thing on the Intrepid that one time was pretty brutal, too, setting the ring up on that thing. It was hot as hell on that ship deck, too. But they had to, they put the ring on like this, just a big freaking flat thing, and a big crane just picked it up and then hoisted it over onto the, the deck of the ship. But that was pretty cool doing that. But I mean, what a pain in the ass setting it up there. You know? I know, I, I know, I, I know. You didn't design it, but what about the the ring that collapsed with the superplex of uh, Big Show and the? Uh, oh, with the one that Yoda did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's Mark Carpenter, he's the guy that yeah. does all that stuff, and you know, he's a pretty good guy and a very good guy and a genius when it comes to doing stuff like that. He's got a machine shop up in Connecticut. I don't yeah. know if he does, but I mean, he went from making one or two rings to making like thirty rings. And every time mm -hmm. I'd see him, I'm like, you haven't retired yet? Have you not put your great-grandkids <laughs> yet? I mean, seriously. Yeah, no kidding. He built everything. The cages, the rings, the collapsible one. Yeah, that was all hydraulic. The cell and everything, yeah. 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 Was Richie was And there would be some sort of uh, hoses and cables that came over by the bell table. And I guess at a certain point during the match, uh, he would hit these buttons and the legs would come up, you know. And then once they took the bump, he would make the some other legs fall and collapse and stuff like that. And well beyond my uh, intelligence level with, you know, machine shop work and all that. But it looked really good, the one that Kyoto did. I know that. Hey, so Jimmel. So but what does what doesn't Kyoto do that don't look great? Come on! Oh, oh here we go. Uh, uh, you wanted to start, huh? Well, okay. If you wanted, if you wanted to get off the show, all you had to do was ask for us to end. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
here's here's the guy that still protects the man that would do no main events and let me do them at all house shows, but yet take them on pay per views. <laughs> wow. Hey, there's many a times when when we would be at a show and I'd see Keona doing like five or six matches, and then Danny and I love him. He would come in and do the last match, and that was it. And Keona, I know, hated that stuff, but you know. We're well beyond that and well past that. It's all water over the bridge. But I no. did see uh, Earl's Earl's daughter in uh, AEW about a month ago. Oh. She's reffing. She reffed a little bit. Right? Katie, right? right? Yeah, Katie. Yep. Yeah. What a, what a sweet girl, you know? And she came up to me and she's like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. You know, I'm Katie. I'm Earl's daughter. And I'm like, you know what? I remember you, but you were about two or three years old when I probably saw you, you know? But she wrapped some matches there for uh, AEW in Orlando there. Cool. Nice. Yeah, so so Chimmel, so yeah. are, are you going to – I want to get back to this real quick because I'll never let it go. I even talked to uh, Kyoto about this, uh, and he laughed. So um, you mean to tell me it's fair for young – developing referee to do ref main events at house shows so he could peel out of there and get with his boys and take the show at the pay-per-view would just take the matches I've worked with the entire time. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's how you're getting your, your, your shit in Hebner and that's how you get practice. The new guy's got to get the practice, you know? (laughs) Wow. Jamal, you're so full of shit. <laughs> Dude, you got to learn to work in the main events at a house show in, you know, Syracuse, New York. That's big time right there, you know? Yeah. That's like Syracuse. <laughs> oh, God. So, how did those worms taste from the boogeyman? Oh, my goodness. You know what? You, you just. He throws them in your mouth, and I don't really taste it. You just spit it the hell out. You know, I mean, I don't know. Then you drink some water, and you spit that out. So nothing's actually going down, you know. See, so I don't know. Uh, that kind of surprises me because everything that goes oh, yeah. in your mouth you, usually goes I down. I saw him at an autograph signing, I think, or some other place uh, a while back. <laughs> He's always the nicest guy in the world. He was a cool guy. That's the thing. Yeah, but just, you know. But uh, don't tell me you didn't swallow a few worms just out of curiosity. No, none. <laughs> oh. That would be the first time, as Jimmy said, that something goes in your mouth that doesn't go down. <laughs> there you uh-huh. go. That's mm-hmm. a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. so let's be honest. Before we end this thing, Trimble, I want to know, uh, okay, who who is your favorite uh, writing partner? Let's put it that way. Well, Cordaris, you know you're right up there. I mean, you did all the driving. I didn't have to do much of the driving. You know, when I traveled with Kyoto, we would always split the driving. Or when I when I traveled with Yaten, I didn't want him to do any of the driving because he yep. would mm-hmm. There's one time I'm driving with Yaten. I forget where we, we were somewhere in Illinois, and we had to drive back to Chicago to fly out the next day. And it was probably like a 200-mile drive. And it's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And we're at a toll booth. And I'm like, I wake Yaten up. And I'm like, Yaten, 
just take over. We got like 30 miles to do, you know, I'm spent, you know, just get us there. You know, he's like, okay, okay. And so now he's driving and I'm sitting there and I'm like almost about ready to doze off. And I'm hearing, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not snoring. And I look over and there's Jane. I'm like, yo, wake up. You know, he was dozing off. I'm like, yeah, God. But uh, he was great. There's a guy that belongs in the Hall of Fame right there is Mark Yaden. He did it all. I know. Yeah. He, he, was, he was such a company guy, such a hard worker, and they just shit on him. Booped on him. Sorry, but whatever. But what a great – I mean, he would go around at the end of the night when everyone else is gone and pick up Sharpies and pencils and pens that would just leave laying around, you know? And, you know, what a dedicated, hard worker, great guy, company guy, everything, you know? And then they just see you by. It's, nice. you know, a lot of a lot of stupidity. God got it went on, too. I hear you. you know? so so, Jimmo, this is a part that I really hate, but I really mean. Um, about to put you over, okay? Well, only put me over if you want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I see many releases throughout my years. I do. And I will say, your release pissed me the fuck off. Not, yeah. only, not only did it piss me off, it pissed a lot of folks that knew you and met you and my family fucking off it, it was I, I i i could say this because i can i don't care they can't hire me they can't fire me but fuck them they're a fucking bunch of douchebags when they fucking do that shit to people like you yaten corderas the list goes on and on all i'm saying to you is this and i will say this and i have proof but you are in my opinion, one of the greatest announcers of all time. And I will say that. When in-ring introductions are done, no one did it like Chimmel. No one had fun like Chimmel. And no one was as good as Chimmel. Seriously. And I'm just saying that because I really, truly mean that. And I'm done putting you over now, you piece of shit. All right. Well, I now continue to put myself over. And, you know, I, <laughs> I consider myself the goat of ring announcers. And you can come back with Howard Finkel, which is probably... I would say I consider me and Howard like the Stones and the Beatles. You know, it's either one or the other. But the reason why I say I'm the best of all time is because, A, I did it longer than anybody else. I probably announced more shows than anybody else. I did more than just announce. These people these days, like announcing to me was like, oh, now I got to go do this job. You know, I had like three or four other things I'm doing, too, you know, uh, these people, you know, they like, you know, get in a car, they show up at six o'clock, they work for three hours and then go home. I'm like, you know, I, the goat didn't do that, you know? And <laughs> yeah. this is why I consider myself the goat. Is I did it all. And I did it longer than anybody else. And I did probably more matches than anyone else. So, you know, that's why. No, I'm going to call myself the goat, whether other people do or not. I don't know, but I I'm, I'm, oh, so I'm, I'm going to put so kind of like Lillian Garcia and Justin Roberts, like they did that stuff too, right? Well, they're very good. That's because I taught them. <laughs> Tremendous, Jim. 
this is going to be the only time I put you over. And yes, I agree with you. You are the best to ever do it. You are not only that, you were a good friend and a good, good teacher because you started on the ring before I did. And, yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff. And man, uh, we had a, we had a great time together, especially during the brand split when we became the SmackDown crew. It yeah. was us, brother. Oh, and, golf games and all that stuff. Oh yeah. my goodness. Tremendous. It was tremendous. And if anybody uh, ever brings this up again, I'm just going to uh, say that yeah. I was on medication, but Jimmel, I miss <laughs> you, man. <laughs> I, I, I miss a lot of the stuff there. And you know, when people say, Hey, do you miss WWE? It's like, well, you know what? I miss the people. I don't miss the company. I don't miss the travel, but I miss the people, you know, mm-hmm. and and, you know, it was a great run. I went through the bitter phase, you know, for a while. And I'm not really bitter. I mean, you know, I, I'm not happy that I got let go. I mean, it, it would have been nice to be like, you know, hey, Chemel, when do you want to when do you want to retire? You know, do you want to retire? You know how it would have been nice. that. I mean, if I was screwing something up or something like that, you know, but I mean, you know. And it, and it just came like during the whole COVID thing and all that, you know, and I. And I was telling people, I'm willing to go to Orlando and do the shows here. And, you know, I was in contact with people and, and hey, let me come. I'm ready to work. I want to work, you know. And they were like, no, no, no. And then, you know, I've gotten two calls from Kevin Dunn in my entire life. One was to tell me I was furloughed. The other one was to tell me that I was let go. I said, if he ever calls me again, he's probably going to be telling me that I'm dead. So I hope I never hear from him again. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so lastly, I just I, I wanted obviously because you've done so much between ring crew to producing to announcing literally everything. What's a piece of advice that you give to you know, a young and up and coming person that wants to get into the business in whatever facet that may be? I would say to try to announce is if they're trying to be an announcer, announce as much as they can. But if you also, and you know what, the announcers these days, I was just telling uh, Raphael this, the announcers these days, they're like, I was a ring announcer. You know, these people are like commentators and backstage interviewers and this and that. And they do so many other different things too. But that's important because the more the more hats you can wear and the more, at least when I grew up in the business, and Corderas, you know this. You know, what's better than having the ring guy be a referee, too? You know, because now you got both. You got the ring is there. And, hey, he can referee, too. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about a referee being there. Because if the ring's there, the ref is there. You know? And it's always, if you can do two or three jobs or, you know, make yourself. Sean Selman always told me, make yourself valuable. How are you going to make yourself valuable? And that's true. What are you going to do? Make Mm -hmm. yourself valuable. So that's what you got to do. And try not to, you know, don't be the star. Let the talent be the star, you know, unless you're doing it for 20 years, then you can probably try to get some shit in. But, you know, <laughs> when, you're learning, <laughs> when you're first learning, let the talent be the star. Put the talent over, not yourself. And don't stay don't, don't I, This is what really bothers me is don't be ringside while the matches are going on. Oh, let me tweet this. Uh, let me go on the tweeter or – or, or let me do something else with Instagram or whatever. All that no. gog. Whatever. You know? I never got that, but whatever. This is what changed the business more than anything. You're right, Chimmel. One of these. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm on Twitter, you know, and I try to put over my cameo, which by the way, order a cameo. Uh, <laughs> go on my Twitter page, my profile, you'll be able to follow up and get a chip. I love doing the chimios, you know, I did one today and I just got one while we're doing this podcast. But, you know, people want me to announce them as a rated R superstar. You know, they want me to, I've announced little, little, you know, people just had a baby and I'm introducing to the world little Mary Ann who weighs, you know, six pounds, 10 ounces. You know, she's the rated R superstar, you know, nice. and all this, graduations, birthdays, all sorts of stuff, you know. Chimel, there's a portion of the show we let you put your shit over, but of course you can't wait for that. So no, well I'll yeah. do it again too. So Chimel, you 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 you. The last thing I'll say, and we'll close shop. You already put your shit over, so there's no need to go to that part. Yeah, I got to <laughs> tell you something that happened there before we go. So go ahead though. <laughs> um, there's a there's a phrase you made. To me, when I was very young, breaking into business, got the break. There's one thing that needs to happen at an arena or a building or a gym, and that's what in order to have a show. You gotta have the ring. There you Without go. The there you go. No. Without a ring, you don't have a show. And that was proven in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, when I I'm driving, me and Kyoto were driving down the, the highway on Route 80 in Pennsylvania. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I get a call from Jimmy Miranda. God bless him. Another guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he calls me and he's like, Chimmel, where are you? I said, well, we're on our way to Youngstown, Ohio. We got TV tomorrow or something. And he's like, you know, you're supposed to be in Johnstown, Pennsylvania today. I said, uh, no, it's not on my schedule to be there, you know. Uh, he's like, because there's no ring, and it's like 5 o'clock in the evening. And we're like three or four hours from the from there anyway by that point. So they ended up having to cancel that show. Uh, was not our fault. I think that fell on Carolyn Colford at the time, if you remember her, Cordaris. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Worked with Carolyn. Yep. Yeah, yeah, she... Uh, she she screwed up. Dawn's laughing in the other room, like ah. But she screwed up something on the schedule, and uh, yeah, no ring, no show. So right. you know, well, good deal. All right, so Chimel, now put your shit over. Uh, where you at? Well, you I well, myself you know. have received some questions, or a question from a friend of ours. This one is from Oh Pumpkinhead. He wants to know oh, if no. you got that. Seven dollars you still owe him. <laughs> well, tell Pumpkin had to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> I still keep in contact with those guys, and he's always like, "Ask Hebner if he's got that twenty-seven that he owes." <laughs> wow. I'm like, yeah, sure you'll be getting that. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to get back together and have one game of Beal. Oh, I would love to do that. You know, or a gin tournament or something, you right. know? All I, good know. I want to, I want to no. play Beal. I want to see you flip the table over and shit and throw cards. Uh, dude, I never did that. But, man, that game would frustrate you like nobody's business, you know? That game and, you know, Cordaris never getting hands. And Cordaris, remember when we used to play cards? We'd play a game of Beal in the, in the room, me, you, and Larry or something, and yeah. – 
loser of the game had to sleep in the cot while the other mm-hmm. two got to bed. Mm-hmm. I used to go hot. I'm like, I'm paying for the room and I'm sleeping in a cot while these two schmoes are in beds. <laughs> hey, so, so how the cards fall, man. How can I yeah, that? whatever. So, Jim, will put your shit over. Put your Twitter over, your Instagram, whatever you got. Tell us uh, where you're at and all that stuff. I'm not on Instagram. Uh, you can go to Cameo at Tony Chimmel 6986, which, by the way, happened to be the years that the Mets won the World Series, 69 and 86. Uh, no Mets fans out there? Anybody? No. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Uh, or you can, you know, if you need, need me for anything, you can go to booktonychimmel at gmail.com. And book me there. For what? I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> give it a shot. See if you can afford me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they can probably afford you. They probably can't afford your, your meals. Yeah, meals are all part of it, Cordero. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jim, I just want to tell you, man. Seriously, I love you to death, man. I, I, I was you so excited about this episode. You know, it's good catching up. You know, I... Here's my thing with podcasts. I'm like, why am I going to go on these things, not get paid, and tell people things that, you know, I don't know, good, bad, or indifferent. I never got it. I would get hosting a podcast, but I need a guy like RJ or somebody to do all the gaga. I, I can't do that stuff. I mean, I Whoops. just need to sit there, talk, and come up with my own stuff, you know? Let RJ do all the actual real work, you know? <laughs> Probably does for you. And Cordaris, you're on all these things. I don't know how you do all that stuff, but you know, I don't Are either. You the TV thing up in Canada or whatever? Not, no, not anymore. I just do the podcasting, and that's it right now. Okay. And what's the deal with that Arda guy? He's what does he do now? Arda? Oh, he's at ESPN with hockey, correct? Well, he's doing the hockey, and he's doing other stuff too. But he's with ESPN right now. Okay, because I remember seeing a tweet from him or something where he was all like happy about hockey with ESPN and something like that. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Moved down. To, he's he's married, got kids. He's down in uh, New York State now, a little north of New York City. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Well, Jim, well, this is not a catch-up session. This is a show we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, uh, love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Now, Can't when wait. is Gonna be on. Oh, I'm sure I'll see it on Twitter, right? Like I see Kennedy and all these other guys you put over for weeks. You know, yeah. When the show is on, this is gonna be on for like a week now. Mm-hmm. Yes, you'll Forever. be on for a week. We'll we'll have some the best graphics we can possibly make for your fat ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or be to love. Your, speaking of which, speaking of which, Chimmel, Chimmel, when uh, you clip your phone on your belt, does it still go into Rome? What's that? When you clip your click your cell phone onto your belt buckle, yeah. does it still go into Rome? I had to throw one in there just on. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. You're the best, dude. You guys are the best. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmel. Much love. It's summer. You know what that means. It's bonfire season. And thanks for our great sponsors today, City Bonfires. They're making your job a heck of a lot easier and everybody around you very very happy head over to citybonfires.com right now and they use the promo code ruffin to get 15 percent off your entire order 
these bonfires can be used on camping trips, whether you're in an apartment, whether you're in the country, and you just want to have some peacefulness, City Bonfires helps you out. Their burn time lasts between three to five hours. It's light, reusable, and easy to extinguish. There's no mess, no flying embers, no ashes to clean up, and there's no smoke. So you're not gonna be taking all of that smoke into your home. So head over and check out their great products right now over at citybonfires.com and use the promo code REFIN, that's R-E-F-I-N, to get 15% off your entire order. Thanks to our great friends over at City Bonfires. Man, I think my ribs are going to hurt, guys. I was laughing so hard with that. I think that's probably one of my favorite shows that we've done. Uh, and I knew it was going to be like that because you get you three guys in a room or on a Zoom together or whatever, and you know it's going to be good. No, it's a blast uh, catching up. You know what? Uh, you you talk about Chimmel was really road family, more than just a good friend on the road. He was road family. And, uh, you know, I joke around a lot and kind of, uh, you know, uh, do my Rodney Dangerfield with him. But, uh, hey, he's one of the best, if not the best, man. And for me, he's absolutely the best. When I broke in, he took me in like his own kid. He really did. He was so kind to me. I rode with him, stayed in his hotel rooms because they were paid for. I was broke. You know what I mean? And just catching up with him was – RJ, I have to say, you're right. This this might be, at this point, my favorite episode because it was not about his career, really. We didn't, we didn't cover shit, really, on his career. We covered the man. Um, I, I I can't say enough. And, and you're right. I, I was wiping tears out of my eyes for most of this thing. It was so hilarious. And I'm so happy that it was awesome. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to smoke some more cigarettes now. Well, you didn't go through the whole pack, which is good. No, um, I did not. But uh, you know, Jimmy's been, like, you said, like Tony said, Tony, Jimmy's all over, man. And uh, I hope people can get a hold of you and watch your stuff. Well, obviously, you can catch me here on the Refin It Out podcast with you two guys. It's awesome. Drops every Wednesday. And uh, keep tuning in because it's a blast. Uh, we have a blast on this thing. And I think it, I think people can feel that. You can also catch me on the uh, Wrestling Inc. channel, uh, post-Raw and post-AEW Dynamite shows with uh, Justin LaBar and, and other guests. And we just cover the show and tell the honest truth. And a lot of people get that and a lot of people don't and you can catch me daily on all my social media platforms doing my ref and rants from monday to friday and again i critique not to tear down but to give my opinion to help tighten some screws awesome jimmy i don't know how you do the never mind. um <laughs> but, um you can catch me on twitter and in uh instagram at baby hebner and then, of course, uh, something that you all need to really do is uh, follow our at Refin It Up Instagram and Twitter. So anyway, with that, I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, what a great episode. Yeah. While you're over there on the Instagrams and the Twitters, make sure you follow J.D. Hoop and A.J. McKay as well. J.D. just I just talked to him. I talk almost on the daily and just absolutely phenomenal guy and does great work and same with aj so go over and follow them their information is in the show notes here so check them out uh and next week just stay tuned we'll have an announcement soon who will be up next week uh we don't really want to spoil it too soon but we'll just stay tuned and we'll have a major announcement for that um but for for jimmy 
Corderas, for Brian Hemner, I'm RJ, and we'll see you here next week on Roughing It Up. One, two, three.